Hello and welcome to Baby Banter. My name is Nicole Pates. I'm a paediatric physiotherapist in Australia, a mum of two beautiful and crazy kiddos and a business owner. And I'm also the host of this podcast. And I'm here to help you give your little one the best start in life. In this mini series of Baby Banter, we're all talking about risky play. This is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, it's probably best that you go back because that's where in part one, we define what risky play is and kind of reframe it so it feels much less scary and like more natural. But also we, I help you understand why it's beneficial to your little one. And also the first steps to understanding how your shark music might impact on your little one's willingness and opportunities to engage in risky play. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy. With over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favourite on-hand support from my team of physio, OT and speech, as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum. It is everything you need to play, connect and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future. Hey mum, it's time for Baby Vanta. Remember the shark music? Dunna, 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 dunna. When you're anticipating something bad is going to happen. Remember our kiddos are completely in tune with your feelings, with our feelings. And if you're, if you're starting to get really nervous about something, they are going to pick up on that. And if they are riding their bike or even if they're balancing on a log or whatever they are doing, if they're picking up on that, it's going to change the way that they move. It's going to change their decision making and it's going to make them a little bit more nervous and doubt themselves. And we don't want to do that. But there is no magic wand that I can wave to change those feelings overnight. And if you are more of a, oh no, please don't hurt yourself type parent, I can't, I can't magic that away. But what we can do is take some steps and I can give you some really practical and easy steps to take to kind of help slowly shift the way that you respond when your little one is doing those things. I do have other parents say, Nick, I am totally for risky play and I want my child, but my child is super reserved and what do I do then? That's okay, we have strategies for that as well. So we're gonna talk a little bit about today about what your role is, how you can support your little one engaging in risky play and some practical easy steps to take. So we talked a little bit about this last time, but the first thing that your job as a parent is, is to keep make sure your child is as safe as necessary. Keeping your child as safe as possible is called the snowplow. The snowplow. Everyone's talked about helicopter parenting. I think I like to think more about snowplowing is worse. So snowplowing is removing all of the risks and all of the hazards from a situation. And the benefit of that is your little one doesn't get hurt. The cost is that your little one 
lacks the ability to challenge them. The cost is that your little one lacks the varied stimulation that they need for optimal development. If, if everything is always being snowplowed out of the way, they don't have to make any decisions. That doesn't help them build their decision-making, test their capabilities, negotiate, you know, assess risk. And these are things that they need later in life. What we, what we want to do, what I want you to do, is to remove the hazards and leave the age and stage appropriate risks. But Nick, what's a hazard? What's a risk? That's so confusing. What do you mean? I hear you. I hear you. A hazard is something that your child doesn't see and that has the potential to cause significant injury. A risk is something that your child has the ability to see and manage by making a choice or problem solving. And the risk is marginal, like it's not going to result in serious injury. So for example, you're playing at the park, okay, and your little one is walking around a retaining wall. A hazard is, you know, depending on your little one's age and their stage, a hazard could be that the wall is super sandy and they don't see or understand that sandy equals slippery. Okay, you know that they can't see that. That's a hazard. Whereas for an older kiddo, they can see the sand and they can go, ah, that's more slippery, I'm gonna slow down. So that's the age stage appropriateness, appropriateness of the hazard versus the risk. So things that can be hazards younger can be risks as your child grows, which is why with risky play, with babies and toddlers, you need to do more and see more and be there, be more present in those younger years because they don't have that experience from life and they don't have the ability to see in a broader spectrum and understand different parts of their environment. So hazards are not concrete and hazards and risks can change over time with experience and learning. So a hazard is something your child doesn't see and has the potential to cause significant injuries. If you're at the park and they're walking around that high retaining wall, say it's like a meter to two meters off the ground and there's slipperiness there with the sand, that's a hazard, but you don't have to just sweep the sand away. You can, you can use your words to point out that there is sand and say, the sand will make it slippery. What are we gonna do? And you can sweep it off together, okay? Or you can just sweep it off, but that's a hazard in a younger child. Whereas a risk, might be the, the, the speed that your child's going along. So they might be going along a low retaining wall, you know, you know, 30 to 50 centimeters off the ground around the edge of the park. There's, there's sand either side. So if they're gonna fall, they're gonna fall onto something soft. You're analyzing the environment and you know, they're going, they're going around and they're walking around and then all of a sudden they start to run around and your little one's just started running. So in your mind, remember from last time we talked about those questions that you ask yourself, you know, what is the task that they're doing? Do they understand? Do they have the skills? Are they motivated? Do they have a calm body? What's the worst thing that can happen? What's the risk that that worst thing will happen? So you're asking yourself these questions as you're analyzing that environment of the risk versus hazard. So back to the wall, they've started running around the wall. Okay, you might go, actually, they haven't been running very long and they're probably gonna you know, fall if they're high speed. What's the likely outcome if they fall? Well, it's not very far and it's onto sand. They'll probably just get a bump. And I'm okay to let them experience that. 
So I'm not going to say anything. But you might also go, actually, you know, they've been running for ages and, you know, like, you know, maybe 12 months they've been running for and, you know, they can experience this. That's totally okay too. Or you might go, oh, actually, I feel like they don't understand that the faster they run, their body changes and their balance changes. I'm going to say to them, slow and steady to remind them that they need to slow down around the corner. There are different things that you can say, but you can see that's very different from that shark music where you're freaking out because you're worried your child's going to fall off the small retaining wall and you run over and you say, no, no, no running, Johnny. And you pick Johnny up and put them back on the sand. Let's go on the slide instead. That is totally okay. Some days when you're just feeling like everything's really hard and you may not want to like deal with the tears it's okay to do those things it's okay to just say no not today i don't have the appetite for that risk and the outcome that's okay remember it's a consistency over time that these things happen we want to give our little ones opportunities to engage in risky play and, and make those decisions and try, start to try and see the risks and make that decision for themselves and as your little one builds experience they will be able to, you'll see them slow down around the corners. You'll see them sweep off the sand off that retaining wall. And so that's the difference between a hazard and a risk. So when you go somewhere with your little one, you can, you can use that problem solving to support them, to help them engage in risky play and support yourself too, because you're kind of doing that decision-making in your brain as well, which helps you feel more confident and reduces that shark music. Which brings me to point number two, supervision and support. Supervision is a priority during risky play. Risky play is not about just sending your kid off into the wilderness and being like, oh, hopefully they're okay. That is not what risky play is. <laughs> Younger babies and toddlers need more support with decision-making and safety in risky play. However, supervision doesn't mean hovering. It doesn't mean helicoptering. In saying that, you can be there you can hold you can scaffold yourself they might have the capabilities to walk across the bridge and you're the one that's nervous you can do it with them for the first time and hold their hand and then the second time you can step back and see what they can do on their own and the third time you can step back a little bit more you can scaffold yourself away slower and slower to further and further away till you have confidence in their capabilities and you have confidence that they are going to be okay at trying these things and and, and making that risk decision making by themselves Okay, so you can start off there if you're nervous. That is okay. However, it's the progression over time that you, you build confidence in yourself and your little one that's important because they're like, hey, mum trusts me to do this. I'm, I'm strong. I can. I can give it a go. And mum's there if I need help. So that's probably one thing with risky play is setting those clear and consistent boundaries is really important for supervision. For example, with dangerous tools, which is a type of risky play, we often talk about playing with sticks. And you might set some clear and consistent boundaries around that risky play to ensure safety. You might say, the stick can hit the tree or the ground, but it cannot hit people or animals. And if they do hit people or animals, you take the stick away. So that's the consequence. You don't need to like tell them off. You can just say, it's the tree or the ground and you hit people, I'm taking the stick. It's just facts. There doesn't need to be like, you know, you're naughty or anything like that or telling off. You can just maintain that consistent and clear boundary and reinforce that. So the other one with sticks is play with, if the stick's longer than your arm, then the, 
the bottom of the stick stays on the ground. So like they're not like waving it around in the air. And we use like the stick bubble as well. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't play close to someone within your stick bubble. So if you do move your arm with the stick with it, like you should not be able to hit anyone in that bubble. And it's your responsibility to move away from them. And that's those things, we've built up those rules as my kids have got older. So when they were younger, it was more, more about, you know, tree or the ground, not people or animals. And then as they've got more confident and older with playing with sticks, we've introduced more and more rules. So we're scaffolding them up. And they've also become really responsible with that too. So you guys often ask me, you often ask me, should I help my child with risky play? So supervision and support. Should I help them climb the tree? Should I help them climb the ladder? Should I help them? What should, how should I help them? One thing I would ask you is, can they do it on their own? If they can do it on their own, let them. Let them do it by themselves. If they need you to do the majority, they're not ready. So if they say, mom, can you help me climb up this ladder? And you're basically lifting them to the top of the slide, you know, they're not ready to climb up the slide yet. It's really fun going down the slide, but they can't, they can't climb up on their own. Whereas if it was a tree and you're putting them up in the tree, they can't get down. So I would say to my little one, you're not ready to climb that tree yet. So when you're bigger, you can. And often that's like really disappointing for them and they have to sit with that disappointment. But then when they do get older and they do get the skills and they can climb that tree, they're elated. They're like, mum, I'm big enough now. I'm old enough. I'm grown up and I did it. I'm stronger now. And like the elation that's there with waiting until they can do it on their own is amazing. It's just beautiful. However, back to the slide and climbing a ladder. So, you know, it depends on where you are and what you have access to as well. There are different ways. So, for example, you're at the park and there is a, we have two ladder, two different types of slides at the park closest to our house. One is like a metal ladder with a yellow slide. And the other is a like wobbly ropes climbing net. Like it's not a net, but it's made out of the steel, you know, the steel links with the plastic over them to make them wobbly. And that leads to two double red slides up the top. You can't, you have to navigate these wobbly ropes first. So as infants and toddlers, my kids would always want to climb up the red of the ropes to the, the wobbly ropes to the red slide, but they couldn't do it. And I couldn't even scaffold them. So I couldn't like support their feet or show them how to climb because they just didn't have the, you know, arm length or the core strength to even be in that position. And so we didn't do that one until they were ready. But I would go to the yellow slide, which has a ladder, and I would say, okay, well, you can't do it by yourself. And I'm not going to put you at the top, but I'm going to support your feet to go in the right places to climb the ladder up. So I'm, I'm not doing the pushing for you. I'm not doing the work, but I'm saying firm feet, strong hands, and I'm bringing their feet up each ladder of the rung. And I'm help, not doing the movement for them, but I'm just guiding their foot to the right place. And if their foot slips off, like, you know, that's what happens with little babies and toddlers is their feet will slip off. So I would just hold a firm pressure over the top of their feet and say, firm feet, firm feet, because I'm encouraging that guidance as they, to develop that skill, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm kind of bridging the gap. Does that make sense? So there's what your child can do by themselves in the middle, what they cannot do on the outside of the circle. And what can they do with a little bit of my help with me showing them a little bit how to do that. So with the tree climbing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my kids in big trees, but there's this beautiful little tree at the park. 
and they, you know, they might not be tall enough just yet, but I would say, well, I'm going to put my foot here in the middle, like I just lean my foot up against the tree, and you can use my foot to climb up. And so they would, you know, step on my foot to climb up into the tree. And then they'd be like, yes, I did it, but I'm not actually picking them up and doing it for them. So they're just using me as like a scaffold or support. So that's a way that you can bridge that gap between something that they, you know, that they can't do and something that they can do. And so we're, that's our job as, as parents is we're constantly trying to, and you're constantly trying to, you know, push, help them step into that discomfort zone a little bit, but with your support. So point number three is role model and let them lead. And this is probably where we say, where we talk a little bit about, where I'm going to talk a little bit about what to say instead of being careful. Because when we say be careful, if your child's back on that retaining wall, you know, running around, if you yell like, be careful, like little Johnny is usually going to be like, what? Did she just yell at me? Oh my God. And they will like change the way they move. And Johnny will change the way he thinks and he might like slip a little bit with his foot because he's distracted. So being careful can be unhelpful in that sense. Whereas for my son, Will, who's older, if we've built up, you know, all of these rules and strategies over time around stick play or different things, and I say, be careful with your stick at the park, remember the stick bubble, that's a completely different context. So we all say be careful and we will all yell it out. I will yell it out when like my kids are doing something that I'm like, oh no, oh. like it's an automatic reaction. It's just if you can catch yourself some of the time and use different words or have yourself in a different frame and you know introduce risky play a little bit differently to build up your little one's confidence, we can do things differently. So let's talk about that. So for children who are a little bit more wary of risk or you know, not really wanting to step out of that comfort zone, doing and showing is a really beautiful way to help them step out into that comfort zone. So navigate the risks with them. Show them what's important to notice. For example, we go to the beach and there are lots of rocks that we can use to sort of rock hop around. For Will, who's my eldest, he's seven now, he would just be off navigating those rocks and I didn't have to say anything because of his personality and his just willingness to keep going. Like he could fall over and get hurt and he would keep going. And so some of those rocks are black and slippery, but I would analyze the risk of the situation and the hazard and go, we're actually not over any water. It's not significantly dangerous. He's probably going to graze his knee if he falls. Like, you know, worst case scenario, he might break something. Let's see how he goes. And he would slip on a black rock and he would fall. And then I would say, you fell. The rock is black. The black rocks are slippery. And he would go, oh. and then he would put that together next time. And he would, you know, and that would be something that moves forward. And he could navigate that risk in future because now he has that experience. Whereas Claire, different personality type. Once she hurts herself, mm, it's not a good day for all of us. You know, we still, she still hurts herself. But if we went to the beach, I would approach that situation differently based on her personality. I, you know, I could sit there back and let her explore and she would fall and then we would go and sit on the beach for the, a little bit of the time, most of the time, because she'd be upset. So instead I would say, hey Claire, let's go rock climbing together. And we'll be rock climbing over the rocks. So I'd say, oh, look, a black rock. Hmm. Feel the black rock. Mm. This black rock is slippery. Black rocks are slippery. Ooh, Claire feel and we would feel it together 
and I would say, oh, mummy, mummy, slip, slip on black rock. And so she's like building that experience with me and we're navigating that risk together. I'm showing her what's important to notice in that environment. So that's something that's really powerful that you can do if your little one's a little bit more wary is role model and navigate that risk together, show and do. So I always get asked by you at this stage, well, what do I say apart from being careful? How do I show and do? Okay, it's not that hard. Draw attention to their body. So that's the firm feet, strong hands, strong legs, slow and steady. You're drawing attention to their body and what they're, what they're doing. Often you might hear people use more words, but for baby and toddlers, I try and have really short phrases that I use consistently. So if you've been following me on Instagram, Nicole underscore kids physio for a long time, I've been saying firm feet firm feet and now like it's really beautiful when I go out and about and I hear people like I will say that to the kids or they I will hear them saying it and they're like oh my god you're a call from Instagram firm feet because that's something that draws their attention to their stability and their body and where they're in space just by two words firm feet firm feet strong legs strong hands slow and steady draw attention to their body the other thing that you can do is draw attention to the environment and the context and the possible risk. Can you feel, can you see, can you hear? So example for Will when he was climbing a tree, can you feel that that branch is really bendy? Can you see the leaves are brown? Mm, dead branch, not safe. Can you hear the creaking in the branch? And so you're drawing their attention to the context of their environment they're being really mindful and grounded in their exploration. They're not like just gung-ho and not aware of what's happening. So draw attention to their body, draw attention to their environment and the possible risk. Draw attention to their problem solving. Sometimes my kids are so gung-ho that they will be like, you know, rock hopping miles away from me. And I'll say, what's your plan to get back? Are you feeling safe that far away on the rocks? Where will you stop for a rest? How will you get back to mum? And it's the same, sorry, I'm shouting at you, but how do you, I'm feeling like they're away on the rocks. Or <laughs> well, it's the same up the tree. It's like, what's your plan? How are you going to do this? You're not giving them the answers. You're scaffolding them. You're saying, hmm, might be something to think about right about now because we're going from a risk to a hazard. And they're like, oh, okay, yep, all right. I'm thinking about this now. So draw attention to their body, draw attention to the environment, draw attention to their problem solving. And lastly, reassure them that you're here to help don't step in you know that sharp music just want to jump in straight away pause count to five count to ten count to fifteen and maybe you might say before in that somewhere in that time i'm here if you need me and then wait 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 but i'm here if i'm if you need me or i'm here if you need help is really great because you're not just jumping in and helping them they might not have wanted help or worse if you're always jumping in and doing it for them or helping them, they don't learn to ask when they need help. They don't learn to uh, listen to their body and think about when it is starting to get to that, oh, I need help stage. And those things are really important and we need them to be able to listen to their body and listen to their feelings and ask for help when they need it. So I'm here if you need me is a really good one. So we've got, you know, role modeling and letting them lead, using your words, supervision and support, those clear and consistent boundaries, and a safe 
as necessary. Last but not least, your role in supporting risky play, your superpower, is you are the expert in your child. You know their capabilities, you know their moods, you know their personality. And for successful risky play, it's best that your little one isn't hungry or angry or lonely or tired. They need that calm body to assess risk and problem solve. And you have the superpower to pick the right time. You have the superpower to pick the right place that sits in that sweet spot between I can do it by myself and I can't do it. You can pick that environment that challenges them. You can decide how long play is. You can decide if it's outdoors or indoors, how much space, what choice they have. You can go and try new things. You can help them test their limits and be adventurous in the creek, or you can just go down to your local park with the retaining wall. The key is matching your threshold with risk with your little one's desire and appetite for risk. Okay. If you're finding it tricky, if you're finding it overwhelming, my biggest tip is go with a friend that's a little bit more keen on risky play or risky play loving for support and sort of role modeling to you. How, what would they do in this situation? How would they react? What do they say to their kids? What happens? Well, how does your kid hang out with their kids? How going with a friend is probably my number one tip. And my number two tip about the easiest thing to do is just take your kid on your toddler on a toddler-led walk. So once they're up and walking, or even if they're crawling, just follow them around. Let them lead. What do they do? Like the freedom of leading is risky play in itself. So that's your challenge from this week is to consider all the things we talked about today and try something new with your little one and use your words in a different way to help guide them and help them explore their limits and test their capabilities. If you've got to this far, you've come to the end of part two in my risky play mini series. Oh my gosh, I can't say that. If you've got to the end of today, you've got to the end of part two of my risky play mini series. What I'm gonna do is when we get to the end of part three is I'm gonna release all of my tips and all of the things we've chatted about in a guide. So it's here in written format for you. But I will also pop a link down below that's a special discount to the Toddler Play Academy and you can use the word baby banter so the code baby banter to get five dollars off your monthly membership if you join the toddler play academy where we can do all the troubleshooting and i can help support you with risky play in there anyway thank you so much for listening please i would love if you could support me in this podcast adventure of mine by subscribing or reviewing the podcast and sharing it with your family and friends it really means the world Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I hope it's been helpful and I'll see you next time on Baby Banter. I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy. With over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favourite on-hand support from my team of physio, OT and speech, as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum. It is everything you need to play, connect and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Baby Banter. If you've enjoyed it, 
Or if you have more questions, let's continue the conversation over on my Instagram, Nicole underscore kids video. Do you know a new parent or have a family member with questions? I would love it if you could share this podcast with them. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and I'll see you next time on Baby Banter. Hey mum, it's time for Baby Banter.